Uh, had a really interesting conversation with Dr. Ned again. It's an absolute joy. A lot of fun. If you haven't subscribed yet, please like click that button. That's a big deal. I appreciate your time. Today we cover some stuff. He's a serial entrepreneur, but I think even more like a problem solver. We talk a little bit about like even stories when he was seven years old, how he started to observe things that I know at seven I wasn't observing and, and a lot of things from there. So a lot of fun. Always great with Dr. Ned. Click the button for me. Really appreciate you. You're going to enjoy this one. Y'all ready for this? Welcome to the Dan DeVerna Podcast, where we talk about business, life, and how to win it both. So, cheers. Cheers. Thank you, cheers. Thank you. Cheers. So it's funny after our last conversation that we had probably the most inde- independently of all the podcast things I've done, I had more people shoot to me individually with like follow-up things like asking about you. And so I just gave him all your phone number and said, well, I just ask him directly because I don't really, I'm not going to answer all these questions. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, but the very first one was they, they were asking me like, how do you have so much time to do all those different things? And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I don't think he sleeps like a lot, but I'm not exactly sure because people are really intrigued by people that have the discipline to be doing so many so many different kind of, you know, we're just doing different, whether it's projects or hobbies or jobs or serial entrepreneur was one of the things that somebody had mentioned. So like, could you speak to that a little bit? Cause that is, I mean, it's a lot of stuff that you're doing. It's a lot of stuff. Um, I've been a big proponent of investing in human capital. So if you find the right person, it'll, it may take time for you to find the right, right person, but you find the right person for the correct task, it, it makes my job a lot easier. It's up time for me. So I think you have to invest in human capital. You have to invest in the right person. Um, you have to balance being patient time-wise while you're looking. Um, and so there's always going to be a little bit of give and take, you know, what kind of qualities are you really looking for an individual for, for a particular task? I think when you balance what your needs are and what your wants are with, with finding an individual and then giving them an opportunity to really spread their wings and put their style into what you're trying to achieve. Um, so I think um, uh, finding the right person is key. You just need, need one. For, uh, for a particular project and they can run with your vision. Um, so I, I think that's going to, that to me, that's the most important thing is finding the right person and having them stay with you for the right reasons. Um, so and I think what that right reason is a combination of being independent, you know, thinking independently, thinking creatively, creatively, and um, being able to execute what the task is without losing sight of what your primary vision is of a, of a particular project. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, the, in a nutshell, I would just say human capital is what you have to invest in. So 
that doesn't sound like, so with the way the question was poised to me was like, you know, does he sleep at all? So well, first yeah. of all, let's just talk about that. Okay. Like, are you, I mean, what's a normal day look like for you? Or is there such thing as a normal day? That varies from day to day, but I usually get between uh, four to five hours of sleep a day on average. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to having free time, most of the time that I'm that I'm awake, I'm really not doing much except for trying to think through a problem. But trying to figure out, you know, the, trying to answer the question, how do you have enough time to, to address all these different projects? Um, you have to have that right people with you that can give you, can free up some of your time to address um, issues with other tasks or issues with the same task that maybe cannot be handled by your right-hand person yeah. type of thing. So I, I think that is a primary way to improve um, use of my time and maximize my use of time is finding the right people to work with. So a little bit more of who instead of how is what you're like. You're looking for the right person to get something accomplished instead of thinking of what you're trying to get accomplished. Yeah. So if, if, for example, if, you know, how long do you wait to, to, before you secure the right person and that exact right person is probably never going to come along, but how close can you get to that right person? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it has to be addressed. You, you get lucky. And you find the right person out of the gate and, um, you know, things are great. Um, but sometimes you don't find the right person. So how much, how do you, how much time do you budget for each step of, way, of the way until you find that right person? For example, I can, if, if I can see a project from, end to, from beginning to end, but I don't have the time to do it, but I have, the, I have some knowledge of knowing how to get there, I'll take on maybe 90% of the responsibility and find somebody that can do at least 10% of the work that I need done. Mm-hmm. And then I'll find somebody who can do maybe 20% and then 30% and 40% until I have, until I have enough free and until I have enough time until I find the right person where I can give up a lot of that control or tasks um, to your right hand person type of thing. So it, it may take some time, but I, uh, what I sometimes do is, well, what do I need help with now? I'll only find that person to help me with this task now until I can find the next person. Because mm-hmm. you know that they're not going to have the skills, and I think being upfront with the people you're dealing with, saying, "Hey, I just need you to do this," and once I can accomplish that, we're going to go to the next step. And they know that they don't have the skills for that next step. So you know, you're not really um, trying to mislead them, but you're being realistic about what my needs are and what they can expect from me um, in, in terms of um, the scope of the project or the responsibilities. Yeah. So you're not necessarily looking to, I mean, in some cases I'm sure it evolves that way, but when you're looking for someone to help you with projects, like you're comfortable with giving away whatever you can of the project. So if you've got a hundred percent and you found the perfect person, you might be able to give them line it up to eventually them be doing a hundred percent. And then the next time or on a different project, you might say, geez, for their field of expertise, I only feel comfortable giving them this sliver of what needs done. I think the best example is what is with PMG. I, I think I said this before, they don't need me. I can drop dead today and that people still have jobs tomorrow and it'll still function as it functions today, tomorrow. Okay. So I think to me that's, that's would be a goal of whatever I 
develop and I can be, I can have a hand in it. And clinically, I still do have a hand in, in PMG on the clinical side, but not the business side. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. So that's a great example. It leads me into another question that was there. So which part of this process? So if we take, take the PMG from the beginning to the end, obviously a very successful journey, which part of that journey is the exciting part to you is the, is all the excitement at the beginning when it's your kind of your brain working on it and trying to map that out? Or do you, do you enjoy certain parts of the process even now later on with, with PMG now that you've got it so far along, like what, what excites you? Like what inspires you? You know, I think it's, um, the excitement, uh, varies. I think each step is exciting in its own way. Mm-hmm. I, for example, I remember um, when I was a solo practitioner in Finley, uh, newly started out, and I was looking for a, a full-time nurse. And and the excitement I had when I found the one—that's the nurse that I could work with. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so excited. And yeah, that nurse still works with me to this day in, in that Finley office in a different capacity. That was very exciting to find that right person—the first, the first nurse that is going to. He's going to jump in the water with you. Mm-hmm. That was great. That's very exciting. You it's know? very exciting. But now you fast forward to this year or last year during the pandemic. We didn't, we never let go of anybody from, from PMG. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were able to uh, utilize those, um, the loans effectively to keep people's jobs. We even gave them a bonus at the end of the year. So the, so we didn't lose anybody. To me, that's also very exciting. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. You know, they were they kept their jobs. They, you know, some may or may not rely on that for, as a primary income or, or or a significant portion of their income, but they didn't lose their jobs, and they got a bonus on top of that. You know, so that is really exciting. So I, I think it is excitement on a different level. Yeah, I don't know. If that makes sense. Absolutely, it makes a lot of sense. So I mean. I like that you don't have an attachment to like you have an attachment to finding someone, but you don't have an attachment to what they're going to be qualified and able to do. Human capital. Yeah. You know, you, the, so if, if you find somebody who's really, really talented, but you, you would hate to let them go, I think you would f- try and find a place for them in, in a project and hopefully they will be a great contributor to that, to that project. Mm-hmm. I think you got to roll the dice sometime and finding, you know, picking the right person, maybe not for the right task, but it is the right person. And, and, and I think at some point you would hope that they would learn um, the system or learn to sort of see your vision and work with you and be creative and all that kind of stuff. You know, so I, I think investing in that right person is very important. Yeah. Remember, it goes back to, you know, being excellent. How do yeah. you, how would you, how would I, that nurse, I know, is probably not the best. She was brand new, recent grad. Mm-hmm. But you could sense excellence in, in the way she asked questions and the way she carried out uh, a request. You know, um, you had a sense that, while well, she's really excellent at what she does because she does care a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, finding that excellence in somebody and applying their talents in a way that, that's useful for a project I think is, is exciting. I think it's really exciting. I, that it's funny because we're like walking through some of the questions that I got from people. And that was 
another one that I got by more than one person who said, hey, I wish you would have asked him more questions about at the beginning of that podcast when you were talking about excellence, like, you know, I'd be an excellent this or I, you'd be an excellent that or like whatever your whatever the job is you're doing, like there's always a calling for excellence. There's always there's always room for more people that are really good at what they do. Right. And so like speak to that a little bit more and maybe we can dig down a little bit on that. Um. Can, can you can you rephrase that? Yes. I guess that's a big question. It's I, a big I, question. So if I was going to try to bring it down down a little bit to a small a little bit smaller question, um, I think that when we're talking and and one of the questions came from somebody that's like quite a bit younger, like in in that college age, <clears throat> and they were thinking about changing their job like what they're going to college for so that they can make more money. And then I was like, well, I don't, here's, here's another side of that. Like you should, if you can find something you love and you're going to be one of the best at that, like that's going to bring you more happiness and you're going to make plenty of money because people that are excellent at whatever they do. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. See, to me, I think, I think money is relative. What's a lot of money? A lot of money for you is different from a lot of money for me, and sure. what's different from a lot of money from some for somebody else. Yeah. So, what is a lot of money? And I never, uh, I remember once meeting this person who said that um, I think they were they had to change um, their major because she said, you know, I just want to make, I just want to go to something that, that makes a lot of money. Yeah. And she's an investment banker. And. But she, I don't know how good she is, but she made that change. To me, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with trying to, 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 to earn more money, but that's, again, that's relative. But I, I, my point last time was, if you, if you do what you love doing and you're really, really good at it, you are going to make money. How much money, you know, what's a lot for that individual, I don't know. But there, there's going to be a market for you that you will not, have difficulty finding a job. Yeah. So do you think you've always, like when you were much younger, was it instilled upon you or did you naturally come about it? Or, or you have you ever really thought about you being excellent? Or do you just think of that now that you're established in who you are, you're looking at it to other people thinking, I'd like them to be excellent. Or do you look around the room and you see 20 people and you can tell that one's excellent, and that one's excellent, and this is how I can usually I can usually pick out um, who the really smart people are, mm-hmm. and, and and smart is a weird word, but I mean like it people who people who are who are um, I, I guess uh, who are talented. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's a better word. People who yeah, are talented, maybe uh, really talented, um, and, and I think that um, I. I because I, I was not really talented at anything. Mm-hmm. And so um, I used to be like, wow, that person's a really good tennis player or that person's a really good artist or look at that person's really into, you know, a, a great, um, you know, into English and literature, you know. Uh, and, and so I, I, I could see that people were really good at some, some things. I mean, things that I liked. I mean, I like literature. I like art. I'm, I like music. I like tennis. 
I'm not good at any of those things. Yeah. But I can tell who's really good at it. And I was like, boy, it'd be awesome to be like that person. So knowing that uh, sometimes talking to the people who you think are really, really talented uh, tr- improved on what I was trying to do. For example, I'd, if someone's really good tennis player, I'd go up and say, hey, you know, your backhand is really, really good. Like, what are you, how do you, how do you prep for something like that? What do you, you know, what are your, mm-hmm. what are your little tricks or whatever you're doing? You know, because I, I know they're really good, but I didn't know how they got there, you know. Right. You know, how much coaching was involved. So asking them, I think, was important to sort of improve m- myself to as, you know, to m- my level of whatever I was doing, whether it was art or whether it was tennis. Yeah. Um, so I, I was never afraid to ask questions, and I think that's one thing that um, people who are excellent at what they do, they, they, uh, they, sh- they tend to ask more meaningful questions because mm-hmm. they want to improve as well. Yeah. Um, you know, people ask questions all the time, but who are the ones that are asking meaningful questions? You know, maybe yeah. that one question, but out of all the questions I, 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 I had to answer, that was a really good question. You know? Yeah. So I, I think um, the really talented people tend to ask the, the right meaningful question. And, and smart, I think, you know, when you say a lot of money, you're thinking it's relative. When you're talking about smart, it's relative. It's relative too, because there's so many different yeah. elements. So I guess talent smart. is talent is a better it, word. It, it, maybe I mean I still like smart because there's a lot of different versions of it. You know, there's some people that are so intelligent, but they can't communicate any of that. And then there's other people that are really great communicators that aren't really. You know, it's so funny you smart. say that. Could you imagine? Look at all the great basketball players that are out there, and how many of them are good coaches? Right. I mean, you look at. A lot of the good coaches were never really great, correct? At you know their position, maybe even yeah. You know, right. I mean, Doc Rivers is a great coach, right? Yeah, he wasn't a great player. He's, he's yeah, all right. He's real good. He's real that's good, it. but that's yeah. good. I mean, yeah. Michael Jordan right. wasn't a good coach, right? I mean, do you think do you think Jabbar would have been a good coach? Bird was the only one. Bird was a great coach, great player, great administrator. He was right. an amazing guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting observation because most people do, they, they find their sweet spot and, and, you know, I've been around, I don't know how many professional athletes you've been around, but I've been around some that were good at what they did, but now they're not doing that anymore. And it's almost like they're looking back thinking like those were their best days, you know? And so it's hard, it would be a hard transition to what you're when you were so great at something to do find your next thing you'd be great with. I'm wondering if those great people were so good at what they do that it's hard for them to explain how they did it. You know, yeah. You know, how does Wayne Gretzky explain how why he was great? You know, besides you got to be where the puck's going to be, <laughs> right? Know? Yeah, <laughs> whatever that saying was. Which you wonder but, how but much the of that ones, is instinct. The ones who right, uh, how much of that is instinct. You know, as opposed to the ones who had to try and be good in a in a in a competitive environment, they had to be better communicators. Right. They're the ones asking questions. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but I, I just, just sort of noticed that that you never find usually a great player to also be a great coach. Well, and then except for Bird, but you get some. But you get some of those some of the guys and um, that just it's their their work ethic on top of the natural talent. Mm-hmm. And they just were, I think Kobe Bryant was a great example. No matter what was happening, he was getting 
Like he realized that everybody was practicing two times a day. And so he built his schedule so that he could get a third practice in every day. And so just think about how many more hours of time, whatever he's working on, the discipline that he was working on, how much extra time he was able to get to be, you know, to become that and then work with the best people for keeping your body where it needs to be and your head where it needs to be, et cetera. Work ethic, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need that in the mix, don't you? You do need that in the mix. I mean, for sure. There's, you know, if somebody's working 80 hours and they're against somebody working 40, it's, the math works out pretty quick. It doesn't take very long. One year, yeah. <laughs> two years, you're seeing a lot of difference pretty quick. You know, it's, it's sort of like how do you, people, how do you keep people engaged and, you know, and how do you keep them moving forward? And I think it's just a matter of having that right person that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And that I think that where they can be a little bit creative in what they want to do. And, and it keeps, I think, them motivated and, and trying to give, having them know that, that they're, this is their baby too type of thing. And I'm, I'm going to move it forward. Yeah. So, and that, and work ethic goes along with that. So you have to have that drive. I mean, it's a full package, but again, if I, if I had to, uh, if I had to um, um, pick one thing again to free up time again, is you got to pick the right person to work with. Yeah. Well, the other thing about that, and just to, I'm here with Dr. Ned, we're kind of rehashing some of the things that we had talked about before, but I, I like the idea of, of what you're saying with finding the right person because sometimes that job, like the way that you're doing it, it sets up a system for for success because you're not setting unrealistic expectations for someone that can't handle that. So you're not taking the person that can do half the job and requesting that they do all the job. Like it's great if they could do more, that'd be fantastic. But it's also great if they can do that half really, really well. Really well. And maybe you find somebody else to do the other half or maybe you're managing the Mm -hmm. other half, but it's a way more successful than running in and going, I'm all in with with Billy and when Billy drops the ball, you know, we wasted all the energy yeah. on Billy and Billy's disappointed and we're disappointed. You, you can't set somebody up for failure. I mean, you can't have unreal, unrealistic expectations of somebody. That's why I said, you know, finding the right person, even if it's to do 10% of the work that you, that they, you know, if it's to do 10% of the work when you wanted somebody to do 50% of the work, well, I want to take that 10% from a really good person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great, you're setting yourself up for success Success. instead of having too high of expectations and being disappointed, which is, seems like a more natural way to do it. No one's happy. I mean, the person that you're working with is going to be, you know, they'll be disenchanted, like, oh, this kind of sucks. I mean, you know, uh, but it's not like, this is where, what are you good at? Okay, you're going to be doing this portion. These are my expectations of you on this, on this 10%, but that 10% better be really, really good. You know, and so I think it's within their wheelhouse if it's if it's in the wheelhouse, and then they execute at a high degree, and then maybe then some. You know, I think that you're not setting them up for failure, and they're rewarded um, uh, at the end with a good product. So this here is, with Dr. This, Ned, and we're covering like all kinds of ground, but I think it's I I think when I was going back through thinking about all the questions, because our our chat went long, but it didn't seem long. It seemed like just a couple minutes to me, but, but we talk 
you know, now and again, we spend some time chatting. It was a great first date. It was a great first date. It was way above average. <laughs> Couldn't wait for the second and one. And here we are. <laughs> I was excited. I missed you. Up. I had my <laughs> jacket pressed. and ready Very handsome, by the way. Thank you very much. Welcome. And you too. Thank you. Very cozy and warm. Yeah, it's kind of chilly out there. I like, it is a bit brisk, yeah. you know. Um, crisp. Yes, crisp for sure. So I was, uh, I was in Dallas at the tail end of that storm that just happened here time this airs it'll at least be a couple weeks but um it's interesting to see how ohio can address those things in comparison to what i saw in dallas like just the cold like people don't know how to drive in it there's no shovel like things that we just take for granted like a shovel Mm -hmm. like they don't have shovels they don't have the salt they don't have the trucks to move the stuff they don't have any of the stuff so we're so blessed you know and then this is the first year we've really had a really cold winter for the for the last like five six seven years so it's, it's, you know, it's just part of living in Ohio. And it doesn't bother me. It's two weeks, yeah. out, two weeks out of the year. Right. It's really not yeah. that bad. It's very pretty. Yeah. Um, you know, and it also, I think now we're in the home stretch. I think so. hope so. You know? The big melt. The big, the big melt's going to be <laughs> happening here in the next few That's days. That's a lot of dog poop in that river. That's a lot of dog poop. It's going to happen. So when I'm, when I'm thinking about, so, you know, we kind of covered some of the, some of the basics of, of things, but I think a thing that was exciting to me is, was hearing all the things that you're doing and you saying, oh, like this seems like a real problem. I think I'm going to fix this problem. So it made a ton of sense when you were talking about you inventing this thing with the lungs and the, but then you, when you started to go to this exercise thing and then we talk about it, something regarding medical stuff, and then we talk about something regarding transportation. I would you say that you have a lane? Like <laughs> what? You, like your lane is like eleven <laughs> lanes. I feel I was like like I'm in Atlanta and I've got to like pick like we're driving down and we gotta hey pick a lane. Like I don't know which lane. Like it's I, I have a lane, and I thought it was really interesting that you like you know what's the next thing? Well, I don't know. Maybe you it's don't just, know, and then you see. Like this person that's having a hard time getting their tennis shoe on, and you're like, oh, I'm going to invent something to make it easier for them to put on their tennis shoes. Like maybe they can put on their tennis shoes standing up. Like I don't know, like without having to sit down. Like, you, you take the open lane. Yeah. Whatever lane's open. <laughs> you know? So is that like how you're, are you, is the kind of like the radar running all the time? Like in your mind, are you just like looking around and waiting to feel it, or are you going to see it, or are you thinking about it consciously, like, I'm curious to that. Because not many people's brains operate like that. I don't know. I, I think you're really, over, I mean, it's it's just a mindset, I think. Do you, do you actually ever stop thinking about work? I mean, everything, in your, in your waking time, unless you're completely distracted from work, you're probably thinking about something that's, that's work-related or can touch upon something that work, or you can... You can relate it to something you did at work. Mm-hmm. I bet you that that's probably, I would bet you 90% of the time is, is that, you know, when, when you're awake, it's probably that. thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is think about, well, when are you completely distracted? When are you not thinking about work at all? Mm-hmm. You know, I, and to me, it, it's, I can only give you one example of when it's really, really relaxing. And I did it for the first time, maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago. I've never owned a gun, I have a couple of guns now, but I never owned a gun before or shot yeah. a gun or anything like that. It takes me to, ski, to go skeet shooting up on Central Avenue over here. 
I'm like, all right, what do I do with this thing? <laughs> you know, you just walk in here and rent a gun and they give you bullets too. It's awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, anyway, he taught me the first, just the basics of how do you aim at a target? Your breathing, your stance, your form. And, you know, you have to concentrate. Then you, you introduce this moving object, skeet shooting. So now you, you're working on your form and your breathing and your target. And you don't think about anything else. Right. You don't think about work. You don't think about the kids. Yep. You don't think about anything. Yeah. How many, like, so since that time, that was the first time that I think I ever was able to focus on something with a singular purpose without having to think about anything else. Yes. It was so rewarding. Yeah. So when you say, like, what do you always think about? It's like you're always thinking about work stuff, you know, when you're awake most of the time. Yeah. But it was, you know, I, th I think it's, for me, it's a lot more important to find more things like skeet shooting. Yeah. So that that is exactly what I love the most about martial arts. I I explain it. So when I'm, I do two different versions of martial arts, and the first version is like a striking. And so you really have to be not just conscious of you because you could get hurt. Like if we're sparring, someone could hit me. I have to be engaged. But also, even worse, I could hurt the person I'm with. So I have to be extremely like, right there, present. Yeah. You can't lose focus. Can't lose focus. It's and if very relaxing, do, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic. Because when you walk in, like we bow when we enter the dojo, and it's almost like if you have all these like things, these stresses that are on your shoulders, like you bow and we'll leave them at the door. We'll grab them on the way out. If we, if we even think to grab them on the way out, we might just leave them there, you know? How many jujitsu... Uh, how many jujitsu's do you know? That I mean, like not not uh, not in the sense that how many different forms of jujitsu. I'm asking you. Yeah. The, the mental escape. Yeah. How many different forms of mental escape do you have access to besides jujitsu? Zero. Three. Three. Meditation, which is really hard. That's bullshit. it's simple, but That's it's bullshit. hard. That's bullshit. Because when you meditate, you think about something else too. You, you, you can't you can't focus on meditating. Don't give me that. I, okay. Well, I, I would say that would be my first answer. Like the martial arts, that's got what introduced me to the meditation. And the meditation that I do is just thinking of the breath. And then when something else comes in, which inevitably it does every couple seconds. There you go. And then you like just throw it out. And it's just like a muscle. You're like working it out. You like throw it out. And then you, oh, like, oh, I'm there. And then no, I'm not there anymore. But for that, for that half an hour, 45 minutes, yeah. when, you, when you're doing jujitsu, you're you're, you're laser focused. Really? You know, there's no five minute filtration thing of something else coming into your mind. You're there that whole time. Most, yeah. I mean, even five minutes. Yeah, you're there for five minutes. What can you do for five minutes? That's that's right. where you're that focused. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's just not. So maybe there's those two things, and they're both martial arts related, yeah. which might be why I'm so into the martial arts. Hard to find the next the next jujitsu yeah. uh, analogy. I would say if you gave me a gun, though, because I'm. My dad, my whole family is very familiar with guns, and I'm not. Like, I, I own a couple guns, but I keep them at my dad's. Like, like yeah. That's the kind of where we're at. I'm not super comfortable. But if you put a gun in my hand, you'd have all my attention. Because I, I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. I want to hurt myself. Sure. I'm not that comfortable. I'm not that familiar. Like, is that how you felt? Or were you like, oh, this is... 
I mean, you just, you just I felt love afraid. It, or did no, you felt scared? I felt afraid when I first picked up a gun um, because I didn't want to hurt myself or anybody else. Yeah. Um, uh, but once I became more comfortable with a rifle, a uh, shotgun, um, it was so liberating to just focus on that one thing for a brief 15 seconds or a brief 20 seconds, whatever those seconds were. Yeah. Um, to not think about anything else from just before saying pull to squeezing the trigger. I'll take those 15 seconds over and over again if I could. So have you done that since? Like, or do you do it every I, once no, in a while? I, do, I don't know. I have no set schedule, but I just, it was so, such a great feeling. I wish I could do more of it. Yeah. Do you have, is there anything else that triggers that, like that inspiration or something else that you're like, oh, actually, now that I think about it, this also did no. something similar to that. Nothing. Yeah. No, even if you're sitting on a beach somewhere, you think about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You're not really focused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're watching a movie, your mind wanders. My, my mind wanders watching a movie. For sure. Uh, any sporting event, doesn't matter what it is. Your mind always wanders. Yeah. yeah. So, But this was just singular. It's great. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, that's You should make women like that. Yes. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Of course. Yeah. Um, no, where I'm focused on something. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, it's, it's really an interesting thing because people think that they're focusing on something. And then I love, like, well, it's a really bad term. It's a, I mean, it's a good term, but it's just a, they, they just say I'm multitasking. Like, do you, I mean, what do you, you have any thoughts or feelings on multitasking? Um. I think it's sort of, I, I, I think, I don't know how to define multitasking. I know that um, it can be non-productive uh, at times. I think at times it can also be productive. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know what, it depends on what you're multitasking and who you're multitasking with. Yeah. I suppose, I, the, the idea of it, I don't think our brain works that way, at least most of us. So yeah, you're kind of going you're shutting this off. I'm working on this project and then I'm working on this. You're kind of just back and forth. So you're shutting this one off to go to this, shutting this one off to go back. I guess it's sort of like the people who are good at it. Maybe it's analogous to people who listen to music and do homework or watch TV and do homework or do yeah. something else. Maybe, I don't know. Sure. Um, but it, it, to me, I, I, I sometimes multitask. But I usually don't. Yeah. It's, so on a, I think I don't because I, I'm not good at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think that's the thing. I, I don't know. I think there's, there's somebody that was telling me the story about the, how they study for tests. They're, they're reading through their material and they're watching a, a sitcom and they're somehow connecting. Have you heard of this? Like yeah. they're connecting the sitcom to the, to the material. And I, like that is so foreign to me. The idea of, having two things that are so different. It's like word association almost. Almost, yeah. something like yeah. that. So it's it's interesting to to think about how differently everyone's brains work. You know, I mean, some people are just, they're just blessed in a, in a different way and others of us are just, a, you know, I'm probably a little more normal, but I'm more inclined to be a, a hard worker. Like I'm not as smart as a lot of other people, but I'm, I, I'm more of a grinder. And so the, the benefit of that is if you just, you know, I'm going to be good at jujitsu eventually because I show up every day. Like, so, oh, geez, it's been that many years already. Oh, yeah, Dan's, Dan's really getting good at jujitsu. Yeah, he's, 
He's been doing it for years at this point. So he, it's just almost inevitable. Well, don't you think that as you're doing, you're improving your craft of jujitsu that your bar keeps being raised. So you're probably really good now, but you're not really where you want to be. Like, what's next for you? For sure. Like, where's that open lane? Absolutely. Burner and jujitsu. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's very, it's very a lot of fun when I talk to my jujitsu guys. You know, they're a, they're all, all for the most part they're a bit younger than me, and they've got tons of you know energy, and they're very excited, and and they're thinking about some business stuff in regards to the jujitsu stuff, and their their business is where my jujitsu is. Like their business knowledge is like this much, and their jujitsu knowledge is massive because they're spending however many hours training a week and they're spending virtually no time in the business stuff. So it's like, it's an interesting trade off mm -hmm. where you'd want to be and what you want to spend your energy on. Yeah. I, I guess that I, I kind of understand that because, you know, way back um, when, you know, in, in the medical field, a lot of doctors were, were private practice. They had their own shingle up, you know, uh, but as time goes on because of the changing a landscape of healthcare, including the business of healthcare, it's become cost prohibitive. So you may be a great doctor, but you're a lousy business person. Yeah, and you've got to just become an employee at some, you know, some healthcare facility. Mm -hmm. So I, I sort of get that where they're really great at jujitsu, but how do I run this business? Right. You know? Yeah, uh, because the person that like my father was a, a welder, and so when he owned his own business, he wasn't just a welder. He was. He was the guy that did went out and quoted the job and then he put together the billing and then he lined up the scheduling and then he did all the welding and all the things that went along with that. And then he was, had to send out the bill and then he had to, I mean, you know, it's, there's 10 steps, right? Like for a good welder, he has to do nine other things pretty much every day yep. that he maybe isn't so good at, or, you know, maybe he's good at a few or whatever it is. Right. Right. So I, I think it's interesting when you find like, because I, I don't know if you have an area that most excites you in this process of development of all these things. If it's the very beginning find of this is what I'm trying to solve, or if it's the project being it close to its completion, or if there's could, any part that could be exciting, depending upon how the momentum. I, I think that it's, it's the, it's the find and then come and bring it to completion. Um, as opposed to the find and going halfway through, oh, this is a really crappy idea, mm -hmm. you know, but then figure out, well, was it, why was it a crappy idea or was, was my thought process wrong? Did I execute this in the wrong way? You're trying to go back and, and, and do, um, you sort of, uh, recon to figure out what, what, what went wrong, mm -hmm. the forensics of what went wrong. Um, you know, was it just a bad idea or was it bad execution or was it both? Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the, the exciting part is the ones that, that an idea that you find, you thought about, and or enhanced, um, and you bring it to completion. That's success. The whole that's, a, that's to me that's a success story to to bring it to completion and then hopefully finding a marketplace for it. Yeah, you know that's the whole process is exciting. It's not just I don't to me it's not just one or the other. It's uh, I mean it's it's a it's a it's a it's like a it's like reading a good book. You know. Um, that's what I, I don't know. There isn't one part that really, I can't say the most exciting part. Mm -hmm. It's the whole, it's the whole journey. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when you go on a vacation, 
the anticipation is a lot better than the journey itself. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. So all this is rolled into one, anticipating a good outcome of a, of a project and and seeing it finally completed. The whole whole process is is exciting. Do you feel like the process, like you have gone through kind of the process enough that you now appreciate the process during the process? I do. Um, I, the, the, uh, yes, yes, I do. Um, but I think during that process, uh, an appreciating part of the process is um, uh, the different kinds of people that you sort of encounter or have to work with along the way of developing the process. For example, when you're trying to find a consultant for doing certain things in, in your piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. and that vetting out process and find somebody to figure out which proposal works out best for us. Um, that's kind of exciting too, to find out, well, who's going to, who's going to come out ahead of all this? And you sort of have, you sort of bet on a horse, you know, sure. at the beginning. And yeah. I think it's going to be this group over here. And, yeah. and it totally isn't at the end. I was like, wow, right. that, that was exciting. Yeah. You know, I lost that race. It's not at all what I thought. Yeah. It's not what I yeah. thought. It's like, oh, yeah, the other horse won, but yeah. But that's exciting, you know? It, yeah. Uh, and I think keeping an open mind enough to not let the horse that you bet on be the one, be the one you, that you're convinced, right. you know? Because we've all done that. I mean, I've had, I've hired quite a few people and there's a couple of them that I look back, I go, boy, based upon that interview, I would have bet on that guy. I, w- I would have gone all in. Right. Like, and then you realize that he's really good at that part. Like, he's a really good salesman at that part. Yeah. And then if you were just paying attention, but you get blinded by the excitement, or I did, I get blinded. I'm like, wow, like this Kyle, he's he's the guy. Like, this is going to be great. And then you know, all of a sudden you're like, where's Kyle? Like, what the, what the heck's going on? Like, what's go- I really thought Kyle would be here by now. Like, he should really be here. And then he just wasn't. And so the evolution of that was a super interesting story to watch with that guy. Like, it was, I'm thinking of this one particular person, but it it's interesting because it's happened to me so many times. I get caught up betting on my own, on the horse. And it's, it, very seldom is it necessarily the horse you think it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's so. Again, all that is it's it's sort of fun. The whole process is fun. It, yes, and that, that's something my business coach and I have talked about a great deal because we set these goals, and he's like, "Oh, okay." So it'd be we'd have our coaching call. We have it a couple times a month. And it's January, and it's, let's say it's January seventh, and we're talking about. Well, you know, how'd we do? Like, this was the goal for last year. Oh, yeah, we did the goal. Yeah, okay, good. Well, how's that feel? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Okay. And we just didn't celebrate. Like, we like we hit the goals because that's what we do. And then, like, there's literally no, like, barely a smile. And my business partner says this to me all the time. She's like, what? She's like, you didn't even tell me this was going to happen and this happened. That was, that's great. Like, and you don't even seem excited. I'm like, yeah, no, it's good. Like, Cause I'm on to the next, next thing one. instead of sitting there. Like I could just sit and reflect and have a cup of coffee and just sit there and be really happy for a few minutes. I don't even do that. And it's interesting that I don't because it's not deliberate. It's just, it's always on whether it's part of the grind or like, do you have, do you have a certain way that you celebrate things when you do have successes? Are you sharing it with other people or you do certain things to kind of create a a celebration or a moment, if you will? No. Yeah. I mean, cause I guess like, um, 
I don't even know how you would celebrate something. I mean, I, yeah. I think, what are we celebrating? It's like, okay, um, like, for example, PMG is a mature company. I mean, it's, okay, we had a great year, but we're not really going to celebrate that. I think our, our, our achievements are reflected in terms of um, our performance. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, you know, we've, we still have everybody working with us. You know, everyone's, they seem relatively happy and enjoying what they do and executing at a high level. And let's celebrate that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's more like we're not really celebrating business milestones. I don't think we, we have them. Um, but I don't think we really celebrate them. Do you, I wish I would. So I don't know if I'm not projecting that anybody else should. I, I wish I would celebrate them more. I wish I would take the other key people because every, everything that I should be celebrating is not just Dan doing good. It's the team doing it. And I should be celebrating, if not for myself, for them. Yeah. And then sometimes I don't even tell them. Like they don't even know what my goals are sometimes, no. and I'm we're plugging along. You know, it's funny you say that because you know, to show appreciation, I don't know if it's celebration, but it's a celebration of my appreciation. We take a bunch of people to on these trips to Vegas for the weekend or mm-hmm. Chicago for the weekend, or and um, it, it was more from I guess more for me out of a sense of being selfish. It made me feel better. I don't know if they actually felt better or mm-hmm. if, if they even made a difference for the people that I was celebrating with. Um, and we weren't really celebrating anything, but just that, Hey, thanks for being there with us and, you know, doing a great job type of thing. Or celebrating appreciation maybe. But again, I think that was more for me to feel better about myself than, than the people that, um, you know, my teammates. Yeah. I, I think they feel, a, I think they didn't, re, they didn't need it, but I think it was, it, they didn't ask for it. They never asked for it. And, but it's something I did. I'm selfish. I think I did it for myself more than them. Yeah. Well, it'll... I feel like I had to give back. Yeah. In a certain way, and that was one way of giving back. I mean, I give back in different ways, but that was one way of, of giving back a little bit. Sure. You know. Again, I I always feel like who said this? The the most selfish thing you can do is help somebody else because it makes you feel better. It's you can't outgive it. Like I, yeah. I try this in a lot of different ways and it seems like every time i'm generous something else like swoops in and over outdoes me like i give a little bit of money to church and then all of a sudden something strange happens and more money funnels back my way or something and it's not just a money thing it's just it's acts it's it's everything and you're like it's you're like you're always always working from behind kind of like oh you think you're oh i did this and then whoa you know i'm just an you know, I'm considered a lot of people, maybe they say this about you too, but for literally it's been 20 years of people telling me how lucky I am. I'm like, yeah. And now I just like, yeah, yeah. I'm the luckiest dude. You'll probably ever know. Like if I go sit next to you at a casino, like you're going to want that to happen. Like that, that's real. Like I sit down at a casino table, blackjack table and people win. Sometimes I win. I win more than I lose probably but like other people around me, it's just, they win. And it's, and we kind of joke about it now. Like it's kind of just a funny thing. So does it suck to be you or is it good to be you? It's good to be me. It's really good. Like I'm super blessed and there's no real foundation as to why I'm so charmed. I don't really have, I just think some people are just 
charmed. And you're charming like that. too. I'm, I don't know what charming, but I'm charmed. And it, but but once you start to believe that, you just it just happens more and more and more of that stuff is is how it works. And it, you know, it's a lot of fun. Although I'm sure it's rather annoying. And people, you know, you have those people in your life that I would call them Eeyores. You know, I've referenced this before. They're kind of like, woe is me. And I'm sure I'm really annoying to some of those people. Like, they don't really like the fact that I seem to win. You know, like like the Super Bowl square thing. Like, don't don't ask for my five bucks. I'm going to take all the money. Like, that's how <laughs> that works. And, like, it happens over and over again. I was in Arizona, and there was all these things that were up for auction. You tear the tickets off. And I'm with this young guy. He's, it's it's actually, it's Eric Croak, if anybody wants to call him on this, because it's legit. And he's 23, 24 years old, and we're at this thing. And I said, ah, I got my new, this new room in this. I need this type of stuff for my new setup in my new room. I'm just going to win this. And I throw it in the ticket thing. And then they start reading off all of the things, and they go, I said, oh, I think they're about to read off my prize and eric's like whatever and i start walking up and they go dan diverna and i walk up and eric's like you've got to be shitting me he's like what in the world i'm like i don't know man it's been like this for a long time and i won this big tv with a sound system and all these things i needed for the room which by the way by the way since then brody put a lightsaber through it so you know, maybe we weren't so lucky with the lightsaber part, but anyways, like that type of yeah. stuff happens and just continues to manifest. And, and the funny thing about that is that sometimes you forget about it. Like you forget the power you have and then you like, don't, you're not using it for a while. And then you're like, Oh geez, I forgot I can do that. Like what, I have that magic. What do they call those? You know, anti-coolers at casinos. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like no casino wants that. <laughs> Right. But yeah, no, it's interesting. Do you ever feel like you're a charmed lucky? I mean, you've done amazing in life. Like you're doing awesome. Like, do you feel like what, like, do you have any insight as to why that happened? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think, I don't feel particularly lucky. Um, uh, I, I don't have any insight as far as how it happened. I just remember that I, the only thing I, I remember like, growing up is how people set their targets really low. I remember the first time, um, I was fifth grade, and there aren't a lot of Indians at that time in our town and outside of Boston, and they had this Indian class like on Sundays and crap like that, so we all, I was about maybe seven years old, so it was, a, it was an elementary school over there, and so you had like about, you know, 30 Indian kids in this one classroom doing different projects, like art projects, or learning about Indian culture, and I remember one of my guys, one of my friends at the table, you know, we all had a table with three people on them, and um, this one kid, I forgot what his name was, um, I started talking about cars, you know, and I bought a little toy car, and like the Hot Wheels thing, I said, oh, I love this car, it's a Mercedes, da, da, da. and the kid goes, oh, Mercedes, Ugh. I don't want to play with those things. I go, what do you mean? I go, they're great cars. And I, somebody would like to get one. kid looks at me and goes, oh, I don't, I don't even waste my time, I'll never have a Mercedes. I'm like, you're like seven years old. You're giving up now? <laughs> I'm seven years old. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you're giving up now? This is like seven. Seems early. Oh, man. <laughs> early to a towel in. What's your problem? <laughs> so it's, it's stuff like that. You're, you're, you know, I think that was the first one I, I remember. But there are multiple things sort of like sure. that. Yeah, you know, through, through the years. 
And I kept thinking, like, boy, you're really not shooting high enough, you know. Right. Why aren't you shooting high enough? Yeah, I think that one of the interesting things about humans is that we've all got this massive capacity. And, like, some people have all this talent and then they just don't use it. Like, you just say, I'm giving up at seven years old. And, and that's really disappointing. I thought it was so funny. I was like, oh, man, I, it sucks to be you. It's terrible. You know? Right? Yeah, it's... It's it's funny, but it's the opposite of funny, right? It's the opposite of funny. It's the opposite of funny. Like that's sad. And it's like, why are you even at this class? Go home, <laughs> right? <laughs> and a, you know, a Mercedes. That's a, that is a very nice car, but that's not unachievable to anyone. You would you know? think that really. I mean, that's a car that people could go at seven years old if they decided they were going <laughs> to at some point have a Mercedes, they could make that happen. They could probably make it happen. They I mean, probably if they really wanted happen. one, they could probably do it. For sure. You know, yeah. crappy old Mercedes, but that's, hey, it's Mercedes, right? It is a Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. just got to even give up on that. Like, oh God. Yeah. It was, it was just sad. I, I, was, I was like, what's wrong with you? You know, come on, man. Right. Well, it's funny that at seven years old, you're paying attention to things like that. That to me is interesting too. Like, could you speak to that? Like, is that the first instance that you remember seeing something like that and making a note mentally? Or were you doing that I, I was, often I at that young age? No, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just remember that standing out. Um, uh, and it's, you know, I've never forgotten to this day. I, I guess it must have meant something at some level of maybe, I don't know, uh, you know, don't give up, maybe? I don't know. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to read too much into it. I just thought it was an interesting thing I heard from this other seven-year-old kid, and I thought, wow, it really is awful for you to just give up in life already, you know? Right. You know, uh, maybe that wasn't his goal at all. Maybe his goal was uh, something else. It was, you know, to do charitable things. I have no idea. But I just thought it was an interesting comment made by this uh, somebody my my same age. And so I, the first thing that came to mind is like, boy, you just gave up already. Yeah. So let's talk about the opposite of that. So now here we are, like we've been doing business stuff for a while. And I know that both of us have really high aspirations. Like we're not done yet. Like you've done pretty good. You know, here we are. We, you know, from truthfully, all of the things that I expected to do on the business side I had done by the time I was 40. So I'm 49 now. And so all of it's like I've exceeded expectations, but yet now you're reassessing because the clearly what I did was I didn't set my goals high enough. Like if you're, if you're in a business for like 13 years or less and you've already hit all the, all the marks, like you set the wrong marks. And so I'm, you know, constantly trying to reset those new marks. And it doesn't seem like any of them are quite as important or as meaningful as what they were originally. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Well, it's, it's funny. I think one of the first goals I've had, um, boy, uh, another goal that stands out was, um, and I'm not sure how I picked this age, but I want to be in a position to retire by the age of 40. If I wanted to retire, I could retire. Mm -hmm. That was one of my goals. Yes. Not that it would stop working, but hey, if I, if I just want to not do anything for a while. When I say retire, I guess maybe not do something, be in a position to not do something for a while and, and do it comfortably without having to, you know, um, 
um, support myself or jeopardize my my financial well being. Yeah. So, so I think that was one of my initial one of the goals I had set to be able to be in that position by the age of forty. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they were to to um, to get there though. I sort of knew um, that I probably wouldn't be doing anything in one sector for too long at one time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, even as a physician, you know, I, I, I loved, I loved being a doctor, you know, love treating patients and having that relationship, but I still know that it probably wasn't my calling. I did it because I liked it and it was a starting point for me. Um, but I knew it wasn't the only thing I wanted to do mm. even, even before, even when I was in high school. So you knew that you were going to be a doctor in high school. I know I wanted to be a doctor in high school. You knew you wanted to be, if I was but be you didn't doctor, think that was it. Uh, yeah, and I said, if I ever make this doctor, I know it's not going to be it. Whatever that it was, That's super I just knew that I, I didn't want to practice, you know, only doing that one thing. It could have been, I guess, an engineer. It could have been anything. Yeah. I just didn't want to be stuck doing one thing forever. That's fascinating. I guess, I guess that was my, what I'm really trying to say. It's super fascinating because... The idea of saying I'm going to get really good at something and then let, like that's a thing I kind of struggle with because I, you know, you do a certain job and you get better and better at it. You have two options. Either you get, you keep trying to get better at it and you keep honing in on the skill or you go, huh, like I'm going to let that what you've done is you've kind of set up this operation and a great team and they're now running that and that frees you up to go do other cool things, things that excite you, Right. Things that are different. Yes. But I'm assuming they're exciting or you wouldn't do them. Well, again, or no. who, when I'm, when you, when I had the idea of starting up, you know, developing, help develop um, software for the logistics business, it's not an exciting field. It's not, you know, everybody thinks, whoa, let's go into logistics and make yeah. that exciting. That's really exciting. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that it was exciting. It was like, there's a problem. Let's solve this problem. Okay. And that's exciting. That's the problem solve. Yes. So there's got to be some excite, something that's drawing you to it's, it. It's trying to find a solution to a problem. Yeah. Is it? So it's not that logistics, again, is an exciting. It may be for some people. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. But the process in trying to solve a problem or help solve a problem, being involved in a team that helps solve that problem, is that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's extru- That's a little different. It's funny that you can move the perspective this far and it looks so different it's like uh it's like one of those circus Soleil shows you move the seat from this side to, to this side, side move up a little bit and it's a whole a different, different show, show right? yeah. like that's a it's that's just different enough to make me be thinking wow i because i would have just thought that well the logistics thing must have really excited him and he decided to get kind of get up off the couch and do something about it but that's not the case no. like it, like that's not exciting. Like you're just like, oh, this is a problem, and I'm put on this earth to fix problems, and then I think this is in my wheelhouse enough, and nobody else is doing anything about it. So that's all thing. It wasn't in my wheelhouse. I knew nothing about the, the transportation industry. I still know very little about it. So it was more like, hey, this there's an issue here. Let's see if we can get people together. We really did on a, a shoestring budget. I got to tell you that that project now is almost to completion. We'll be starting the second part of, of our beta testing next week. Um, and 
I, I'm so excited about this because it's maybe one of four or five totally mobile apps that can be used in a meaningful way by, by small and medium-sized trucking companies or brokers. So I'm excited about that, that we can bring something to somebody. Hopefully, it's going to be profitable. Mm-hmm. But now they have a tool. These end users have a tool that's affordable and meaningful. Yeah. You know, so that's exciting. It's not that, wow, trucking, it's great. Let's all go. But it's important. It's important. You need, you know, it's very, you need it's it. very important and in anything you can do to have and, small and business ma- guys. And to make, make their jobs easier, um, to me, that would be very meaningful. If I can make someone's life easier, a broker, a carrier, a driver, a shipper, a receiver, if we can make their jobs a lot easier with a meaningful piece of, of software that they can use on a daily basis, they can help grow their business. That to me, that's exciting. Yeah. Even if I know nothing about the business to give somebody the opportunity, that's exciting. That's very rewarding for me. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I, could you imagine if someone even sets up with one truck and a trailer, one man show, they can use this device, you know, this, all they need is a smartphone. They don't even need a PC on the smartphone. They, they grow from one truck to five trucks in one year because of what we did or that helped them, this helped them achieve that goal. Right. That makes me feel really happy. Yeah, that's, that's meaningful. You know, that person gets to employ other people, you know, keeps the economy going. So, I mean, to me, I, I always call things like that, um, I don't know what to call it, but I've always used a term in my mind, um, uh, responsible capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know, meaning that let's give people what they truly can use that makes a difference in their day-to-day life, as, you know, at their workplace. Yeah. That's, so you, you, when you think about that job, like what, what those guys are doing, like that's not an easy job. Like of all, like, so anything you can do that would make, like, it's kind of like my dad being a welder, like being a welder, no one would say that's an easy job. I don't think anyone would say driving truck is an easy job. No. So if you can take away of those 10 other things that my dad had to do or the nine other things, the way I explained it, and you can take away or make two or three of those other parts easier, which is what you're doing with the logistics business, like that's, you're, you really are letting the guy drive the truck and give, and kind of outsourcing some of the other things that he probably finds difficult, right? We would hope so. You know, um, one thing that, that you know, simple stuff like from dispatching to accepting, finding a driver to take mm-hmm. to haul a load if you're working a medium-sized trucking company, you know, finding, you know, finding that individual and, and communicating with each other without having to waste time sending an email or sending a text message or making a phone call. This is now done, it's all automated. So you can have flow of information without having to actually call somebody mm-hmm. or, or send, send. Everyone's informed of an action uniformly across the, across the board, meaning from, from the customer's perspective or shipper through the carrier or broker to the receiver. So everyone's on the same page as far as where's my load, Where's my freight? Who has my freight? What stage is it at? You know, that kind of thing. And it's all communicated. Before it was, hey, the phone call or an email or a text message or whatever. Yeah. You know, so now we've, we've pretty much automated that whole communication flow pattern. 
Yeah, because before I'm assuming that somebody came and picked up the load and they, you know, until they showed up to the dock to unload it, they didn't know, are they ahead of schedule? Are they behind schedule? You know, yeah. it's kind of like the flight tracker. Right. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is where it's at in the process and you don't have to call them. They don't have to, you know, text message them. The guy's driving, he's focusing on driving. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's exciting. Well, that's pretty neat. So that's very exciting. Yeah, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. So to be able to kind of do that, I still think it's extremely fascinating that you have like such a diverse group of different projects that you're working on. Like definitely a serial, almost as much of a serial problem solver as you are a serial entrepreneur. Like, it's like, oh, I see this and I think that could fix that. And couldn't we do that or the exercise thing or, you know, insert problem here. And, you know, is, has that been something you've been doing more now that you've gotten the flexibility with PMG? Or do you feel like that was kind of always the way your mind worked all the way through, but now you have the resources and the time to do it? Or like speak to that a little bit. Well, I think the, the thought process, the, um, the, the mindset of trying to, like, I hate math. I'm, I'm horrible at math, um, but I think I can solve, I, I like to solve problems in a different sense, more um, uh, workflow patterns, um, you know, processes, issues, um, uh, maybe something a little bit more that's spatial and not, not, not uh, mathematical, if you will. I don't know, I'm just bad at math, but I, I think that I'm I, I, trying to solve an issue uh, in a conceptual way is what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think the, th- the mentality has always been there. Um, I don't think that, that I've, uh, as far as I can remember, you know, trying to address issues in terms of simple thing. Like I remember I never had a decent tennis bag. You know, I was, there was a problem with these tennis bags. You know, mm-hmm. I wish it was made this way rather than that way type of thing. Small stuff like that, you know, yeah. uh, system improvement issues, product improvement issues, you know, um, is what I've always, not to confuse that with, I'm always complaining about something. Yeah. I'm always worried about, like, well, how can we do this better? Because there's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. And so how do you improve on something that's already, that's there, that's not so great, or something that's really great, and how do we make that better that's, that's meaningful for people? So I've always been like, what can you do that's meaningful for somebody, not just for the sake of building a new widget, but is that widget meaningful for somebody? Um, uh, and does it improve their day-to-day tasks, their, 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 their workload or their lifestyle, whatever it may be to free them up to do something else. Like for example, just, you know, with our, with our, um, logistics software, and one of the goals was to reduce time that it takes for someone to be on a phone or send an email, generate an email or, or text message or um, you know, find out where something is. Well, we've, de- we've developed this where you don't have to make those phone calls or send those emails or, 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 or commu- you, have, you don't have to manually communicate with somebody. It's done for you. So now you're freed up to do something else that maybe would make your business more effective mm-hmm. or grow your business in a different way. So if you've try to save time so they can reallocate those resources into doing something else. Yeah. And they can do more things that are in their wheelhouse. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. outsource the other stuff. Whatever, you know, if if it's a, you know, 5% of your time, 10% of your time, or maybe more, what, what, 
what you do at that time gives them that kind of flexibility to to do whatever. So that system is it is it going to connect like a whole bunch of different people for the same with the same purpose, just different pieces like the broker, the driver, the person that needs the freight moved. Those are all connected through this like software virtual yeah space kind of right. So all the bidding and all the like all that stuff moves to one hub right. It's pretty awesome. And also, if you have an existing clients, you know they can they can still use it, you know, communicate with their existing mm-hmm. clients without having to look for loads or look for freight to move. You know, if they already have enough freight they're hauling, but they can do it in a more efficient way, communicate in a more efficient way, mm-hmm. and not have to always make a phone call or make make you know um, you know manual communicate with somebody. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's great. Are there any other new projects? Any new problems that you're trying to solve anything that's going on that's that's up in your brain that you're just starting to put a little get some of the meat off the bone type of stuff uh, nothing new since we last spoke i mean uh we're developing software for the political arena i don't know if i told yep. you yeah so absolutely that's still going on we we're we're continuing to develop that and um uh I just met with like um this exercise device we've met with yeah. some people at the university of toledo so uh um some students who are working on that that's finally. fun so that's fun talking to young that people seems like yeah, that'd be a lot of fun yeah i hope yeah, it's going to be sure. worth their while yeah um so nothing new but um something that have progressed since last time we spoke it's fun but yeah good good so anything else we should be talking about um you're the you're the driver here. Yeah, I thought the the one thing I wanted to make sure that I hit on before before I let you go um, was like you have the the if I was going to kind of label you like you have a very interesting career because like whenever you say somebody's a doctor, they automatically tie that to the medical field, and so I think about. You know, I know a lot of people that are like attorney, like you remind me of, of a little bit to one of my friends who's an attorney, but then he just didn't like he practiced law for like almost no time. And then he started doing other things, you know, doing these other things. And so I think it's fascinating. It, it doesn't, doesn't feel like you have, even though the medical background is where you're grounded and where you began. It doesn't seem like you necessarily, that you feel like that's your place in life. And so, you know, when you go back and you look back at your life and hopefully you live to be as old as you want to live and then you're looking back, I mean, do you think, like, what's what's going to be the thing on the resume? Do you think it's the doctor part or do you think it's going to be like one of these things that's in the hopper that's brewing or just the combination of, gosh, people are going to look back and say, this was just a really well-rounded, driven guy that just, like, he just left it all out there and tried as hard as he could at everything. When he saw something, he saw a problem, he fixed it. Like, I think that, to me, that's, I think that's the coolest thing in talking to you for the last couple years is just somebody that sees a problem and fixes it because literally everybody sees a problem and walk steps over it or they walk around it or whatever they are doing. They're, they're not thinking it's their responsibility to fix the problem. And I feel like on some level, you know, 
like I hear, I, hear, I mean, what a flattering comparison, I think. But Elon Musk is like, well, we got to like, like this is happening. Like you guys, we got to do something about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spearhead this thing. So I'm not really totally comparing you to him, but that mindset of somebody's gonna do something about it. It doesn't look like anybody here is doing anything about it. I'm going to do anything about it. Do you guys want to help me do something about this? Like, maybe I could give you this part and this part. Like, wh- I don't even know what I just said there, except I rambled. But but that's kind of what I hear. I feel like I hear some I think, of that. I think my, if you're asking what my legacy needs to be, um, I would really love for people to leave something behind where people said that that was really worthwhile having. Mm-hmm. That that made things better for me, things easier for me. Yeah. Whether it was from a business perspective or personal perspective, you know, um, you know, just uh, if 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 that would mean a lot to me, you know, it's not like um, uh, I'm seeking out fame or anything like that. But I think mm-hmm. I think that it would just make me happy knowing that, gosh, if I did something that helped your business or your, um, you know, something that you do as a hobby, whatever. That you, yeah. If, if it made it better for you if it enhanced what you were trying to do and it was worth your while and if it was meaningful for you that means a lot to me yeah you know, to do something that's meaningful to me is very important i always ask somebody you know ask people like what what can we do that's meaningful if we make this change is it a meaningful change or is it, are we just why are we doing this if it's not meaningful for somebody at some level yeah it has to be meaningful right i think it does it, to be worth someone's while right so let's make it worth someone's while yeah, I remember once I was I was in um, St. Martin, and this it was so funny. This kid taught me so much. I was probably about twenty nine that day, that time, and this, I was on the beach in St. Martin on the on the Dutch side, and this was t- talking to the kid's mom. And the kid comes by; he was about thirteen at the time, and she's showing the kid, "Hey, look at I bought blah blah blah." She, she apparently she spent a lot of money for it. And the kid looks over at his mom, and goes, "You spent that much on that, mom? If you spend that kind of money, don't you want to look like you'd spend that kind of money?" To me, that meant a lot. Meaning, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something, make it worth your while. If you're gonna spend X amount of dollars on something, make it look like you spend X amount of dollars on something. Not mm-hmm. like, oh, it looks like this thousand dollar product looks like a two hundred dollar product. Mm-hmm. If you spend, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something, do something meaningful. And that kid taught me something that day. You know, thirteen year old kid. It was a simple comment. I I thought it was amazing that he, t- he would tell his, you know, school's mom, mom, if you're going to spend that kind of money, don't you want to make it look like you spend that kind of money? Yeah. It means, a, I mean, that saying means a lot. I, well, and me, it can, oh, I think it, it's very meaningful, but I also think it could be pivoted to time. Yeah. I mean, think of how much time, you know, if you're going to spend this much time on something, don't you, you know, don't you want it done all the way? It's all four-dimensional, right? Right. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing that I have a problem with sometimes is I, I have so many things to get done that sometimes I'm not, you know, you're, you're checking to, to like, or rushing through to check the box or to, I highlight things. I like, I have color codes for everything. So I like, I'm so excited. Like if you, the most exciting part of my goal getting done truthfully is it might be that four seconds if I took that long to highlight it like so that's my celebration my celebration is like checklist <sighs> done man that feels feels good I wish it was longer <laughs> like I should write it out in bigger letters or something and have to go across it but that's like the reward, that's part. reward right. it is it's funny that that simple little act 
can be so monumental, right. but it's not, it doesn't last for days. doesn't even last for minutes. Right. But it is very important. And it's the way that, it's that your I, own pat I, on your own back. It is. No one's going to do it for you. No one's, no one's going to appreciate it as much as you do. Yeah. Once you make that, once you cross that line off. Right. You're going to be the one who says, I know what it took to cross that line off. Yeah. Nobody else going to know. Well, the other part is that you, you do want it to look, if you, if you spent a thousand bucks on it, you want to look like you spent a thousand or 2000 on it. Yeah. Like you definitely don't want, so don't, this is where the discipline part comes in because you don't really want to cheat yourself on that. You know, you don't really want to do it. Eh, you know, I could probably check that off, but I'm, yeah, we both know like, and I've done you it. You can't cheat yourself. You, it's, it's a real bummer. Things don't you know? work out well when you start yeah. cheating yourself. I, I lied to my business coach <gasps> probably it was double digit years ago, like at the near the very beginning. And I like, he asked for certain numbers and I, whatever I, I don't remember the details of what I did, but it was a, it was a bunch of crap. Right. And then I was like thinking about it soon. Like, I don't know, soon after. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, seriously? Like you're literally paying this, not, you're paying this guy <laughs> this much money and now you're going to lie to him? Like, what's the whole point? What are you doing? Like, you need to reevaluate like what you're doing here, man. Because that's like, you know, it's just the, the what's the point? Like, what is the point? Are we, Doesn't solve anything. Yeah. Like we're, we, we didn't hire the business coach to impress the business coach. We hired the business coach to make you better and have somebody hold you accountable. Right. So, yeah. Defeating, it's, it's, defeating the purpose. It's completely. But you get caught up being in your the whole human thing. It's very complicated. <laughs> yep, I did that. I, I did it. So, yeah, Almost. I told him I was going to do it, and I did it. <laughs> no, I didn't. He'll never know. He'll never know. Like, business but fails. I know. Business but, fails. Yeah, you knock right. on my door, Ned. You got a room? Like, <laughs> right. Oh, what's your name again? <laughs> right. I Dan, don't know who? you. I only know successful Dan. <laughs> I don't know the one that failed. <laughs> no, fake Dan. What are you talking about? <laughs> fake Dan. Oh, it's good stuff, man. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed our time together. It's Same always here, great. Always. We had a lot of follow-up stuff. Like of all the people I've communicated with, I've just gotten so much feedback from people that talk about how interesting. They're like, you should have him on all the time. I'm like, I, I totally will try to do that. Crap the whole time. We can just talk about crap. Like we'll get into some really goofy conversations I would expect sometimes. Yeah. So it's good stuff. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Thanks for everything. Thanks for we'll you. talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks for watching. 